Welcome to the Glow Up Effect podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Diana. Here at the Glow Up Effect, we're diving deep into mindset shifts, inspiration, and daily actions to help you thrive in your everyday. Let's get down to business and let's claim your glow up, girl. Hey, girl. Hey, welcome to this week's episode. I really wanted to jump in right quick and tell you guys something really exciting I've been up to. If you follow me on social media, you've already seen me talk about it. I have talked about it on my email list. If you are an email subscriber, I have launched a coaching program and it's called Glisten and Get It. So tell me right now, girl, are you ready to glisten and get it? This is a get unstuck strategy session with me. So in this session, we are going to go from stuck to success in your life, business, passion project, even motherhood, because I know how crazy it gets. And sometimes you are just stuck in your tracks and you have analysis paralysis. So that's why I'm here for you, girl. Okay. In this 60 minutes, one-on-one glisten and get a session with me, we're going to sit down and define why are you stuck and break through to your glitter because girl, it's all inside of you. You just need to tap into your own potential. I will work with you to build a customized three to five specific customized action plan to get you unstuck and start feeling that momentum in your life, business, or motherhood. If you have that passion project that you're ready to launch and just don't know where to start, let's sit down, let's talk about it, and let's jot it, everything in a customized action plan. You're going to walk away with your glisten and get it plan and get going. Right now is the time, okay? Spots are going so fast. I already have a couple of clients lined up. And for a limited time, I have a $47 per one hour session pricing. This is limited pricing. In about a couple of months or weeks, I am going to be changing the price. So if you are ready to kick your passion project in the booty, email me at theglobeeffect at gmail.com and book your spot. Let's listen and get it, girl. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of the Glow Up Effect podcast. Today, I'm hanging out with Amber, and she is an emotional eating, digestive, and hormone expert. She's also the host of the No Sugar Coating podcast, and she's here to really talk to us about how she decided that this was her passion, and she wants to help other women become more mindful and dive into their self-care when it comes to eating. So thank you so much for joining me, Amber. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Elizabeth. I'm so, honestly, I'm just so grateful to be here with you because as we both know, this is such a, I just honestly call it an epidemic because Mm -hmm. if, you know, there's a stat that is 90% of the female population in North America alone is struggling with some form of body image issue or I don't really like the word eating disorder, but I call it more emotional relationship with food because I find it's Mm -hmm. less permanent. Um, And that's, intensive to think that it's that many of us. Um, so I'm just grateful to be here to, to share with you today. So thank you. Yeah, I think you're going to be able to offer so many great insights um, and kind of, you know, a telescope and tunnel vision into, you know, your field uh, that will be so beneficial to the listeners. But without further ado, why don't you just tell us about yourself? Who are you and what do you do? Yeah, so I am an emotional eating, digestive and hormone expert. I reside in um, just outside of Calgary, Alberta, Canada. However, I coach women all over the world with clients in Europe. I've had New Zealand, the States, all over. So it's I just am very grateful that people are listening to my podcast or finding me through 
you know, say, um, you know, other collaborations or word of mouth that resonate with my work. And so for me, I, I do my one-on-one coaching and then I also um, am building an online program that will be ready sometime this summer. Um, I have my podcast as well, the No Sugar Coding podcast, where I talk a lot more about all this in depth. Um, and then I love to, you know, share about mindset and how shifting our mindset really helps us with our relationship with food and our bodies and how, you know, our hormones and our digestion can be playing a role and just help give women more of a vision that this is not a tunnel vision. Like you don't have the willpower and that's why you can't get where you want to go. It's got nothing to do with that. And so I had my business for seven years now and it honestly really, I never expected to be where I was. I did not expect that I'd be, you know, in, in health and holistic health and be doing what I am. And it's really the own, my own journey that I went on with food and my body and healing that, that now that inspired me, you know, eight years ago to go, if I struggle with this, the way that I did, how many other women are struggling, whether it's less or more or the same amount, I want to help them. Yeah. I love that. And I love that you said, you know, a lot of it surrounds mindset because if we don't learn how to rewire to believe and think things about our relationships with food, which is something we just need to survive. It's not mm-hmm. something we can just cross out. Like, I'm that's the thing. It. You can't quit food, right? <laughs> yeah. Like it's so true. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you said, you mentioned briefly that you had your own journey. So why don't you just tell us like your story? Like, how did you come to your present day that you were able to kind of go through your journey and then be like, I'm yeah. ready to help other women face this. Yeah. So I'll, I'll share some key highlights because it can get really long. Um, and if people really want to read my whole story, they can go to my website or I have some videos on my Instagram where I do spend like an hour. Or so really dissecting things. Um, so essentially the first, the thing that made me super critical of my body and really insecure, I was five years old. It was my first day taking the bus and the older boys called me ugly and fat mm-hmm. as soon as I got on the bus. And it, it broke me. It hurt me so much. I felt so embarrassed and ashamed. And right away I shut down, especially I'm like, I can't be friends with boys. They don't like me and they're going to, you know, hurt me. And so I made all those association. I took on the identity that I am these things that they said about me. And I just assumed that I would be, um, for, for my whole life. And I also assumed I would be because I felt like I took more, um, after my mom's side of the family and they were all heavy. So I just like, Oh, I guess I have my mom's jeans and like, I just didn't know. Right. And we don't, we just don't know. And we assume. Um, so after that, I really, food became my friend. I had like girls as friends, but I found myself really comparing myself because they were dating and getting all the attention from boys and like, no one really, you know, it wasn't the same for me. And I thought you have to be this thin, this looking person to be popular, to get the attention, have success, you know, down the road. And so between that and like, let's face it, you see photo, like media, TV, movies, celebrities, Photoshopped images. It essentially convinces you that if you want this perfect life, you have to look and fit a certain mold. Right. And I know it can go deeper into that with like skin color and shape and size and ethnicity. And there's, there's so many other levels of that, but like when you are, you know, carrying some extra weight around and like, it's not accepted by society. You feel like such a failure. Mm-hmm. You feel like I need to do this big diet. I need to restrict. I need to kill myself in the gym and like over exercise and it still doesn't get you there. And so for me, I dieted all through my teens, you know, was very convinced that 
having this perfect body is everything. However, nothing I tried got me there. Um, and then I really started to go deep into the binge eating when I was 21. I had a breakup happen. I felt like I'm so hurt. I, I don't know what to do with myself. I literally couldn't eat because I was so upset. And then I started exercising and I lost weight really quickly. Mm-hmm. And I again thought if I have this perfect body, then everything's just going to get better. And I got the quote unquote goal weight, but I I wasn't happier. I didn't feel better. In fact, I became more critical of myself. I was picking my body apart even more. And I'm like, ooh, maybe I can lose like two or three more pounds and like get this part of my body even more tweaked, right? And it's the criticism just got fueled. And then my period disappeared because my hormones were out of whack because I didn't have enough body fat. And like nothing positive came from what I thought was this end goal for me of like, once you get here, then life's going to be great. Right. So it was once I realized that, that then the switch flipped and I started to binge almost every day. And for me, binges would look like everything from going through the drive through and ordering like food for like a family of five or six and just like binging on it all on the way home or going and buying like a grocery basket full of food. Like I'm, I literally remember going to Costco one day because I wanted pumpkin pie and I'm like, well, I better go to Costco and buy a Costco size pumpkin pie. And I bought it and brought it into my car and just started like eating it like crazy. Like that is how intensive it would be for me, you know, on a regular basis. Yeah. And And so size stuff is not a joke. (laughs) No, it's huge. And I ate about half of it and then I felt so sick and then I drove home and then I started picking away at it again. And I'm like, what am I doing? But I just, I was so addicted to food and I was so addicted to using food to numb myself that I just could not for the life of me figure out how to stop it at the time. And so I went from being my thinnest to my heaviest and that was very embarrassing and I just felt so ashamed and I didn't want anyone to see me. I hid um and the second wake up was when my one guy friend, he wanted to make plans and like go skiing. And it was purely a friendship, but we, you know, had a lot of respect for each other. And he kept being like, Hey, we should get together. And I was like, secretly didn't want him to see me because the last time he saw me, I was really thin. And I, now I had gained all this weight and I was worried he would judge me, even though I know he wouldn't have. And we, I finally worked up the courage to be like, okay, let's plan to go skiing this weekend, you know? And unfortunately he he rolled his truck and died in a car, died from internal injury, like a week before we were supposed to go. And I was like, Oh my God, I didn't see this person again. Mm. And then maybe like, I can't hide anymore. However, the binging wasn't getting better. And it was the really low point was when I had finished a binge. I was crying on the couch because I was scared for my life, to be honest, because I'm 21 years old. I'm heavily binging multiple days a week. Um, I went through a period of binging and purging, but was able to stop. But I was incredibly bloated and in pain all the time. I was exhausted, right? I was putting all these things in my body that just made me feel so gross. And then the emotional fight, I was just like, am I going to, am I going to make it to 30? Like I just was scared of, of the destruction. And so I threw the food in the garbage. And a couple hours later, once I had, you know, the food had settled, I was like, oh, well, if this is the last time I'm going to do this, I better have another cookie. And I dug through the garbage. I went into the kitchen and I pulled it out and I ate it. And I was just thinking, who am I? Mm. Like, why is this happening to me? I'm, I feel like I'm not meant for this much suffering to like consume every area of my life. I'm alone. I'm broke. hate my job. I'm unhealthy. I'm unwell. I'm, I'm overweight. I don't like my, my anything about me at this point. And I'm just so consumed with food. Mm-hmm. what the heck is going on? Why is this happening? And that for me was a really wake up moment because what changed is 
fear was getting in the way of me going, oh, I don't know if I can do this or like overcome this. I'm afraid of the unknown. Who would I be without food? So the fear was blocking me from making change and the suffering just kept growing. But that night I was like, the suffering is now bigger than the fear to want to change it. So I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm getting on a different path and I'm, I'm going to like make my own trail through this jungle and figure it out. Yeah. Wow. That is so many ups and downs um, yeah. that made you self-aware of like, wow, I'm not in a good place. So when, when was it that you were really like, okay, this is my action plan. This is how I'm going to get, you know, to the light at the end of the tunnel person. Yeah. It was really kind of ironic because I started to, first I started to actually change the way that I ate because I found that refined sugar, well, I found out it was 10 times more addictive than cocaine. And I'm like, oh my gosh, no wonder I can't stop eating it. Like it's not me. It's the way they design the food. Right. Mm -hmm. And that blew me away to learn more about the food industry and all the kind of not so great stuff that goes on with a lot of that and how they create food to make people addicted. And then I learned that gluten and dairy were making me bloated Mm. and that they both have properties that excite the same part of the brain as heroin. And I was like, wow, no wonder when I eat a baked good, like I can't, I want to eat 10 baked goods. Like it just was so fascinating for me to learn about this serotonin dopamine chemical connection to food. And so I, I went gluten, dairy, and refined sugar-free after dozens of attempts of trying to cut them out because it was like an addict, like it took time yeah. to get there. So changing the way that I ate really helped because I became creative in the kitchen. I started trying different like local, you know, food companies and products and I got really creative there and I didn't feel restricted, which was good. However, it was after that that I realized I still want to binge. Mm. And the reasoning behind that was because I was still obsessing about wanting to be smaller. I was trying all these diets that weren't addressing the root cause. I didn't know what was triggering me to emotionally eat and I didn't know how to feel my emotions. And therefore, how can I love myself if I'm doing all this negative stuff to myself, right? That lack of self-love was really there. So when I really... So the action plan kind of came as I would read more and like find out more and then be my own guinea pig and be like, wow, I need to start figuring out what's triggering me. And so I made a list of different triggers as it would happen as I would fail and fall back in. Right. And then that made me aware of what would trigger me and how that would make me feel. And as I built that list and I started to explore what kinds of self-care, what other action steps, what do I really need? If I'm triggered to emotionally eat, what is that really telling me I need instead? And so I started to meditate and, you know, deep breathe and do EFT tapping and spend more time in nature and um, spend less time hanging around with friend circles that were toxic or unhealthy or enabling, you know, lots of drinking and overeating um, and, you know, not overbooking myself on the weekends. And as I, you know, built this new self-care routine and really became aware of the triggers, it really helped me to slow down the binging um, and stop the binging. And that's when I realized, oh, so I'm done binging but I still don't like my body. I still don't accept her as she is. And that's where the self-love, emotional, like that really deep part of the journey came on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so from there, it was about catching my negative self-talk and saying something kind to myself. It didn't feel real for the first however many months, right? Like it, you're because yeah. your subconscious mind's like, no, you don't. This is what is real for you. But it's about committing and consistency and, and you know, being in this realm where even though it doesn't feel real, I just had this, this is when the light at the end of the tunnel really started for me after I quit binging and was like, I want to get to the point where I know what it feels like to love myself and be there. And I just had this innate sense of like, 
I know I'm going to get there. I'm just going to keep focusing on this. And it's okay if I fall off and like say mean things to myself or I go into that old pattern, but I know I'll get there one day. And so as I, you know, went down that, that path of being kinder to my body, stopping the weighing in, stopping the diets, stopping the extreme exercise as a form of punishment. I had to challenge a limiting belief, which is you need to exercise to lose weight or maintain weight because the irony of it was I'd stop binge eating, but because my hormones were so damaged from all the binging, Mm -hmm. I was gaining weight like crazy. Okay. So I had to really challenge that belief. And I'm like, screw the gym. I'm done with it. It's just messing all my hormones up more. And then I really focused on balancing my hormones and digestion, which was another part of the self-love journey. And I swear to you, as soon as I quit the gym, rested more and really immersed myself in like sleep and mindfulness with food and more self-care, the excess weight that I was hanging on to just fell off. Mm-hmm. And it blew my mind. I'm like, we don't have to do all these extreme things. It was shocking. Yeah, and it's like, sure. no, you know, like our bodies hang on to protection when they don't feel safe for all these reasons I'm mentioning. So if that's the case, more exercise and more restriction is not going to work. In fact, that will probably make you hang on. Instead, we've got to get curious and go, what are these different root causes for me as to why I don't feel safe? And so those are kind of the phases of the journey that I went through. Um, and then for those who are like spiritual in any aspect, I really discovered intuition, that gut feeling that came on really strong when I stopped emotionally eating. Um, so, and then there's that whole aspect too of it, which I think it gave me, it really created me to be the person I am today. And I, I don't regret a minute of what I went through, even though at the time it was, it was not fun, Yeah. but I learned all of the things that I now teach to my clients. And I also went to, you know, I went to holistic nutrition school, but my personal experience is priceless, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Cause it kind of gave you your own roadmap that now you're able to duplicate and, you know, bless others with. And yeah. I love the turning point where you're like, I actually quit the gym. The gym had nothing to do with this no. um, because <laughs> oftentimes people were like, yeah, like I just started doing hit or I just started doing this. I started jogging. Um, yeah. So I love that that, component is completely unrelated. So thank you so much for sharing that. Oh, you're welcome. Um, when were you finally, you know, on the topic of self-love, like when were you finally like, wow, I love myself the way I am now, because mm-hmm. I feel like it definitely took some time to reach that point. Yeah. And you know what it was? So I had been doing all these really great things for myself, but I was gaining weight. And this brings me back to like the, the gym thing and the challenging myself with that limiting belief. And I was hanging on to all these old clothes as well from when I was at my smallest and sizes also that still, I was like, I'm going to have to probably still push my body past your limits if I want to fit into this stuff. Mm. And so I was hanging on to all that, that hanging on to the past, right? Cause it really represents the past. So that was a part of the protection. And then this gym thing and the hormone thing. So I went out and bought new clothes. My business was starting to have success. And I just felt really happy and content and proud of myself of what I was creating and the way that I was taking care of myself. And I vividly remember, um, you know, I had just, I used to host this event every year um, and we had a really successful event and we raised like $5,000 for charity. And I had come home to change, to go out for my birthday. And I put on my outfit and had nothing to do with the outfit, but I just looked in the mirror and I was like, body, Amber, like all of you, I absolutely love and accept you as you are. 
it doesn't matter if you're like the heaviest you've ever been and that we've had to get bigger clothes. I love you. I'm so proud of you. Look at all the amazing things you're doing. Look at all the people you're helping. And like, I swear to you in that moment, I just felt butterflies and this deep sense of love for myself. And it was an incredible moment, but it was an accumulation of all the past work that brought me to that. Because it's not necessarily that one day you're just gonna be like, I love myself. It might be, but everyone's experience of that, you know, fully filling that void will be different, but that's really what it was for me. And it, again, the irony of that is once I expressed and felt that for myself and really surrendered and rested, well, then, then the weight came off. And then it was like, I, now I've just been at this natural set point for the last eight, nine years. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't weigh my myself until I have to go to the doctor for my physical. And then, you know, the doctor's like, Oh, good job. You're keeping the same weight. And I'm like, I really thank you, but I I don't care. You know, like I'm, I just go buy my clothes and buy how I feel, you know, and that's much more important. And when we, when we learn how to listen to our body, that's a much better marker anyway, because all the scale is telling you is your full mass at gravity. It doesn't give you any other like indication of your mind, your emotions. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it's so vague yet. We put so much we give so much power away to it, unfortunately. Yeah. I love that you were saying like holding on to the smaller clothes wasn't like, oh, well, I don't want to be wasteful. I was literally like grasping onto the past so tightly. Um, so I love that kind of metaphor. I wanted to jump into really talking about like emotional eating, you know, and especially mm-hmm. like now we're living in these times of pretty high stress. Like the yeah. world is a crazy place right now for so <laughs> many reasons, you know, and people are stressed. They're getting laid off. They are, you know, home mm-hmm. with their kids all day. They're home with abusive partner, whatever the situation is like stress is so intense right now. And I feel like emotional eating and stress can go in hand in hand sometimes. So can you share with us like how to cope with that and how to potentially avoid it? So it's really about coping. Mm. The avoidance will honestly probably build it up more. So the first thing that I always encourage people is to not feel shame or embarrassed if it's happening for you. Um, You're not alone. And it's just what you've known to keep you safe or comforted. And that's okay. You know, Um, I think the second thing is to start to understand what emotional eating is. So I always say emotional eating is any reason for eating other than physical nourishment. So even eating and working, you're multitasking. It's mindless. You're not focusing on food, associating eating and watching TV eating when you're stressed, eating when you're happy, eating when you're sad, eating, you know, because you saw that plate of cookies and that visual trigger just pulled you right in, even though you're not physically hungry, like there's so many potential triggers. So start by, you know, admitting and then start to pay attention, you know, throughout the day, do I stop and eat my meals without distraction or my multitasking? Do I always snack while I watch TV? Right. Do I notice after a stressful day, I'm going into the cupboard and just start making a list of things you notice that, that trigger you. So I think from there that helps you to start to build some awareness of, of what your triggers are. And then, you know, what's really important is that we start to address, address them. So as an example, overwhelm is a very common trigger stress, right? So being that's the case, we have to understand, well, what's on my plate that's really stressing me out? Do I have too much on my plate? Do I, you know, am I too overbooked or is there just a lot going on? And if so, is there anything I can take off my plate, delegate, shelf, ask for help with, or say no to? Because you have to remember the more you have on your plate and the more overwhelmed you are, the less likely you're going to be to have a healthy relationship with food if you're emotionally eating. 
Um, I then think it's really important that if you are stressed, it's like, okay, well, what is it going to cost me to keep going to food to deal with the situation instead of really dealing with what's going on? Yeah. Right. Because it, it can cost you bloating, brain fog, fatigue, cravings, more money. Cause now you're, you know, maybe you've stocked up and have extra food in the house with everything going on and you're going through your quarantine stash more quickly. And now you're spending more money on food, right? Like it can financially, it can add up really quickly. You have eight sizes of clothes in your closet because your weight's fluctuating all the time, right? Or how is it costing you in your relationship or your family life? It's, it, it's significant when you start to ask yourself that question and then you can go, okay, well, if I don't want to do that, what can I do? Well, let's look at healthy ways to cope with stress, get out for a walk, do some yoga, do some gentle stretching, meditate, write it down in a journal about how you're feeling. There's no right or wrong way to do these things, maybe except yoga, but like people often what blocks people from getting more into self-care is I don't know what to write about. I don't, I'm meditating wrong. I can't, you know, shut my mind off. And it's like, yeah. you're never going to shut your mind off. Like just lay or sit and listen to a guided or meditation or music and just relax, take some deep breaths, make your favorite cup of tea. Like there's different things we can start to do instead that will help you start to move in that direction. Easier said than done sometimes though, because if this is something you've been struggling with for a really long time, the habit is so deeply ingrained in your brain that there's a very intense, strong pull to do it. And that's hard to stop if you are not if you're not understanding of all the different things that could be triggering you, I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying it's not possible because I did it without, you know, support. But I think for people who, you know, it's been years or decades, like it may be an opportunity to seek out support on whatever level you need to, whether you start with a podcast or you do actually go and uh, work with somebody because it's such a, there's so many layers to emotional eating. It's not just like I'm stressed and I want to eat like, it's about your worth, your identity, your mindsets, perfectionism, people pleasing, over overbooked schedules, overwhelm at home, your hormones, digestion, blood sugar imbalances can fuel cravings and emotional eating. So understanding the whole picture can really help someone to start to address kind of like from a core level what's really going on and start to take the steps in that direction to get the freedom without restriction. Because yeah. the other problem is a lot of people think, oh, I just need to find this certain diet and gain control with food and then I won't binge anymore. Doesn't work. Diets trigger. Or maybe, you know, people go and decide, well, I'm bloated, but instead of addressing the emotional eating, they go and get food sensitivity testing done. And then the doctor says, you have 20 food sensitivities. You have to cut out all these things. But again, because it's restrictive, they can't attain it. And then they're back into the binge eating. So there's a certain way to approach emotional eating with no forms of diets, restrictions, or calorie counting that I think is a, there's a huge miss with that. And so people will seek out certain kinds of help and innocently the person trying to help them will, will trigger them with restrictive recommendations. Yeah. Once you said watching TV and snacking, like that is a habit that I've picked up so in, like intensely yeah. in the past couple of months in quarantine and it just struck a chord. I was like, wow, like I am so like like enamored at this point. Like when I watch my evening Netflix show with my partner or my son, like I want to eat ice cream with it. And I was like, wow, right. like I've completely picked up this habit. So now I'm so much more aware of it and I'm going to try to work on setting it. Yeah. Um, so thanks Good for awareness. sharing that. You're welcome. Um, because it was really interesting to hear about all the potential triggers that we go through and navigate every day in our lives and yeah. are just completely ignoring very likely. And you know, what's fascinating about what you just said about the TV thing 
So the more you repeat a habit, if it's with food, you will associate a certain show with certain kinds of food. And then that part of your brain lights up when you see that show because your brain goes, oh, remember the show and the ice cream? Like it's time for you to eat ice cream. There is one movie that I would watch pretty much every time I binged. And so I couldn't watch that movie for like two years after I was trying to overcome emotional eating because I'd put it on and be like, oh my God, I need to go to the store and get it. And I'm like, I can't, I can't even watch this. And it's like the holiday with like, Cameron Diaz and Jack Black like it's a funny like love story and here I am like I can't watch it for two years because otherwise my that part of my brain's still lighting up to binge so we associate certain shows experiences holidays with certain foods and that's why for some people it can take longer or just seem a bit more difficult to break the habit because again there's these things that like you don't learn that right so it's hard to know it because it just seems natural. Yeah. It's so wild. I was visiting your website earlier this week and you talk a lot about body freedom. So I wanted you to give you kind of the floor to talk about, you know, what is body freedom and how to incorporate with your clients and your business. Yeah. Thank you for asking about that. So body freedom is really my signature, you know, way of coaching and, and supporting my clients. And essentially, you know, it's equates to all aspects of the health journey in a, in a more holistic way. So, you know, we address your mindset, your emotions, your habits, okay? Cause, and the, what you believe about yourself, your schedule is an important part because if you're overbooked and you're not making time for yourself, that overwhelms you. And then, hello, there's a trigger to emotionally eat. Emotional eating is a, a part of the body freedom, digestion, blood sugar cravings, hormones, inflammation, digestion. So I've designed it like this because it's your mindset that is dictating the way you feel about yourself. And then from based off how you feel, so say you're frustrated with your body or you're, you know, worried about losing control with your body and gaining weight, you're then in the state of fear where you're panic. And from that state, you are then motivated in a negative way to go buy that diet. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then you fail on the diet and then you're like, screw it. I'm going to go eat whatever I want because it was too restrictive. But then the panic comes up again because my God, I don't want to lose control with my body. So my goal is to help people break that cycle, ditch diets and ditch the scale Mm -hmm. and learn to understand, you know, this picture that I've been talking about, build a healthy relationship with food, a healthy relationship with your body, reach optimal health. And that really is what creates body freedom on all those levels. And I always start if someone is struggling with emotional eating, when I'm working with somebody, um, after we do the 30 minute call, I offer a 30 minute complimentary call to just see where someone's at and hear their story and let them open up in a safe space. Cause that's important. Um, but the first thing we address is the emotional eating. We have to, because it's having a negative impact on your, you know, your digestion and you're bloated and inflamed and puffy and you're tired and you can have brain fog and hormone imbalances because it's such a stressor on the body to bounce back and forth between dieting and emotional eating. So that's a really important place to start. In, and as is, starting to make yourself a priority so you can deal with overwhelm and different stressors that are going on that are triggering you to eat. We must be willing to make ourselves a priority because mm. it's really hard to do this deeper work if we're like, well, I, I don't have time, right? But what really changes if you don't dedicate time to this? It's just like your work. If you said, well, I don't have time, how long would you have the job or have your business, mm-hmm. right? But yet we throw ourselves under the bus all the time and, and give our attention to everything else. Yeah. And it's just like kind of taking the time to like map it all out and take Mm -hmm. a step back to become more self-aware and in tune. 
with um, like you mentioned, all the, the triggers and, and behaviors. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to jump in to ask you like, what is your self-care practice um, that helps you or self-care practice tips that you share with your clients? Um, yeah. Yeah. A little bit about that. I love self-care. I used to be super resistant when I was first building my routine. Cause again, it was a new habit, but um, during the week I love to do um, meditation Um, I also will do some deep breathing or journaling now that it's nice enough out. We're, we're heading out for bike rides in the evening, which is so great. Um, and then I have a little trampoline and a treadmill in the house and I'll do a little bit of the rebounding is really good for your lymphatic system. Yes. I've heard about rebounding and it's so fun though. Like you put on good music and you bounce to the beat and it's just like, it's, it's the movement that I love that I don't need to do to like look a certain way. Right. It's, it's for my lymphatics. So it's awesome. And then on the weekends, I like to spend more time like stretching or, um, we have an infrared sauna. And so sitting in there and meditating and, you know, sweating out toxins and Mm. um, we spend a lot of time outside. We go to the mountains and, and hike and, um, you know, go on trips and, and I think that all of that is an important part of self-care because, and disconnecting from technology. So I try to like cut myself off at a certain time uh, once in a while I'm like, Oh crap, I forgot to post that. So I go in, but um, having healthy boundaries with technology is yeah. also an important part of the self-care. And so is ha- having that healthy boundary with work-life balance. It's so important that when I like stop, I'm, you know, when I'm done my work, like I'm really done with it. And then I like, I feel like if you don't do that and it, it runs into your relaxed time, it's really hard to implement self-care. So work-life balance, even though it doesn't seem like it's a self-care act, it really is. That boundary is an act of self-care. Yeah. It's incredible how many people don't have work-life yeah. balance. Yeah. Um, oh, so many people don't. Like people, it'll be before the work day and they'll be like, oh, I was at the gym this morning. I had to get off the treadmill to write back to so-and-so. And I'm like, why yeah. would you do that? I'm very, very, um, uh, opinionated and strong feelings about having those boundaries with work because it's awesome. like, I'm not on the clock until this hour. So. Yeah. You're not getting paid. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. I really like that, that you connected that with self-care because no, no one would really think about how that implicates like your energy, you're releasing energy oh into having to already connect to work or to your yeah. device that early yeah. on. So thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Um, I want to ask you, what is your glow tip for the listeners? And there's no boundaries here. kind of anything that will help, you know, a listener up level and elevate on this day. I think the, you know, one of my biggest tips would be trust yourself in that if you feel like maybe you're getting help or maybe you're considering, you know, starting to embark on this journey, um, you know, don't give up on yourself. You're going to fail. Failure is inevitable. And you learn so much from failure. It's actually a gift because every time I failed, I learned another trigger. I learned to build deeper awareness with my body. I learned how to listen to my body, right? So I think be open and accepting to the fact that you are going to have your ups and downs, but it's a teacher and it's going to help you fill that void, build the self-love, gain the body freedom, and you know, really trust your gut as well with if you're feeling like you're, you know, working with somebody and you're not getting the results you want and you're going, I think there's something else there that I need to, you know, dig deeper into or go and see someone else. Or I'm, you know, my digestion is still bothering me, even though I've been seeing this person for help, like keep digging for your answers until you find them. That's a kind of part two. I just think we shouldn't stop. We need to keep digging until we get what we need to have that freedom. Love that. 
Thank you. I love asking people their glow tips because every there's no two alike and it's just Yay. I love it. so enlightening. That's awesome. Um, and to close up, I want to ask, you know, for the woman who is, you know, maybe everything you've said has been like, wow, Amber is spot on. Like, what would you recommend to her? You know, she feels like she doesn't have potential or she feels like she's lacking due to, you know, be, being buried in her food addiction or in her emotional eating. Like what tip would you t give her to kind of take that first step in um, mm -hmm. helping herself? Yeah. This very profound statement. Everything you want is on the other side of fear. Mm. So acknowledge your fear, but step through it. Love that. Very simple, straightforward. Listeners, take notes. I'd be brought your notebooks to this episode. <laughs> if you didn't, go back and listen. <laughs> but thank you so much, Amber. I wanted to ask you, where can the listeners find you online if they'd like to connect? Yeah, and thank you. you. Thank you for having me. So you can go to my website at amberapproved.ca. I have more about body freedom and emotional eating quiz there, as well as um, if you want to schedule a 30-minute complimentary call, you can do so there. Um, you can find me on my podcast called the No Sugar Coding Podcast, where I talk a lot more in depth about all the things we talked about today. Um, and I have a private Facebook group called Women Choosing Body Freedom. Um, and you can find me on Instagram. And it's my name, Amber Romaniuk, R-O-M-A-N-I-U-K. Awesome. So everybody go check out Amber. And thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm so grateful. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Global Effect Podcast. If you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe and leave a review. If you love this episode, please share with your friends and family and tell them to check out the Glow Up Effect. Lastly, if you don't already, please check me out on Instagram.